co-host with me. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Hey everyone, this is Amayo. Hi everyone, this is Ifeyua. Hey everyone, this is Onyeka aka Yeka-O. And we also have a special guest in the studio. Well, we don't really have a studio. <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> in our metaphorical <laughs> studio. <laughs> but the metaphor applies. We have a special guest on the episode today. Special guest, want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Sanafik with the click. I always love saying that. And love it. <laughs> I'm from originally from Ethiopia. And I'm very excited about joining you guys today. I love this podcast. Thanks, girl. Yay! Asnafik also went to Mount Holyoke. We knew each other in college, and she has graciously accepted to grace us with her presence. So, before we start, actually, I have a bone to pick with our listeners. I was not on the Mm. episode last week. Didn't nobody say nothing. Mm. Nobody was like, ah, we didn't. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Nobody was like, ah, we didn't hear if that's why, so is the fair all right? I don't know. I, I'm feeling so <laughs> I think there's so no, many because I got an email from a fan. You like, did? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's my personal email, not the podcast email. Yeah, Amaya, you just <laughs> tried to make me feel better. Come I can, I can Come see. On. I can see through you. Yeah, so guys, <laughs> our, our wonderful listeners. Uh-uh, sure. sure we miss you, though, with them. Now. We definitely miss you. Anyway, them. how was everyone's week? Did anybody have anything interesting happen this week? It doesn't have to be, like, a detailed report. <laughs> just, you know. <laughs> on Monday, on Tuesday. <laughs> um, so this is Sanafik. It was, it was a very busy week. Always plan out my week on Monday of the list of the things that I want to get done. I didn't do, I didn't finish any of them. So it's going to be a great week coming ahead of me. <laughs> Very productive at work, guys. Yeka O over here. Um, my work was all right up until the point where I got this viral infection in my tonsils. It oh was the God. worst going thing. On? And so I had to go to the hospital and, you know, American hospitals and their bills. But, you know, I feel better now. <laughs> I ain't gonna complain about it, but I do miss my chemist. I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, this is if anyone. Um, the past week was pretty good, busy in the lab, and I feel like I'm getting to a point in my research project where I can Yay. see the light at the end of the tunnel, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've been working on this project for so long. I'm just like ready. I mean, I feel like if I don't see another rat in like the next <laughs> decade, like I think I'll be fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's been, it's been, it was a really productive week and I'm kind of looking forward to this week. Like now I'm excited mm-hmm. to just like wrap things up and like finish this project, but 
Yeah, so here's to a productive week ahead. Um, this is Amayo speaking. Um, I don't know, this week, this, the past week was pretty much a blur. I don't really, I just remember working a lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot. Mm. So, I don't know, I think this is like definitely been the most stressful work week and I know it's, it's, it's about to get worse. Like based on, based on what happened on Friday at work. I just feel like my life is over and I can say goodbye to my social life. Oh, oh no. Man. Wow. But it's cool. We alive. We kicking. Well, my week was <clears throat> interesting because I had to apply for a French visa. So I'm currently in London and I, this is Ifeb, by the way. I'm in London and I have a conference to attend in Paris next week. But I did not realize how much of a hassle it is to apply to travel with a green passport, with an African mm-hmm. passport. Yeah. Guys, the struggle is so real. Three. All of you who have British passports, who have American passports, who have, I think even maybe Austra- <laughs> European passports, Australian passports, hmm, you are very lucky. Count yourself <laughs> lucky that you don't have to deal with travel visas. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. <clears throat> yes. Uh, yeah. So we're going to dive right in. And our topic for this week is feminism and gender roles. So, you know, gender roles, gender equality, all of those wonderful things. I want to start out by asking you guys, what does feminism mean to you? Hmm. Like. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> You know, what's your history with that word? When did you first hear it? What are the things you associate with that word? Negative, positive? I, I want to know everything. Oh, my God. Tell me <laughs> Tell me your life story. <laughs> yeah, no, I can go. This is Ifeniwa. And right off the bat, I think, like, my cliche answer, and I guess what would be considered like the answer to the question what is feminism <laughs> thanks to Chimamanda's video is <laughs> and Beyonce. <laughs> um, you know, essentially a movement that is for the equality of both men and women and equality in terms of economics, in terms of politics, in terms of social life, just essentially pushing for men and women to be seen as equal, despite their gender. I think that I came across, and I'm not sure because, I don't know, I feel like when you hear this question, then you start thinking about when I, like, when I first heard the word feminism. And I think I heard about it like at Mount Holyoke, and I went to, for those who might not know, Mount Holyoke is an all-women's college. And so there are a lot of, like, pro-feminist at, at on campus and I think that was when I first came across the word I mean I think the concept itself wasn't necessarily foreign to me but I think I came across the word feminism feminist and meeting a lot of people that identified as feminist at Mount Holyoke College yeah I completely agree this is synophic by the way but the concept of course is something that I, I definitely embraced at an early age but the the terminology was very foreign to me and wasn't something that I, I heard a lot growing up and I have to credit Mount Holyoke as well for 
really exposing me to the terminology in terms of how I define it. If gender equality, equality of the sexes is our goal, I think of feminism as the movement that recognizes all the challenges that women have faced because women have faced the shorter end of that stick. So it's just a movement that kind of recognizes our struggle in that sense. And so that is how I um, I define feminism. And in terms of it, my association with, with the word, whether it's positive or negative, I would say growing up, and I don't know if we can blame the media for this, but it wasn't it wasn't always positive because I, I, I guess I always, I was, I felt like feminists were always, maybe they were always kind of like presented in a very particular way. So I always associated feminism with mm. anti-men. So that's how it was. So I didn't have a very, it made me, it used to make me uncomfortable when I was, mm-hmm. when I was growing up. But when I came to Mount Holyoke and then I actually kind of sat down and really understood the concept, it, 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 it was just very far from how it was presented, at least kind of where I was going mm-hmm. up. So, Sorry, I just, once Nafik said that, it just made me, rem- it just dislodged something in my memory that I think growing up also, I think feminism felt like mm-hmm. it was a Western concept. Like it was, it's like a Western ideal. Like, oh, if you see your feminist, you're like, mm, you've joined those Oibo people. Like, they always talk about feminism. So that's just the one thing I wanted to add. That it just seemed like something that was was part of the West and was mm. not part of like Nigerian culture. My first interaction with the word feminism probably would have been in secondary school. That's just one of those words that you learn. You learn, but you don't really exercise or. Like exercise the meaning of it much so i think it was definitely in college when you know i felt the movement and kind of well not not like oh i understood what it was about i just didn't really i don't know how to say i, I not that i didn't practice it because i think i practiced it it just wasn't a huge thing in mm-hmm. like secondary school so in college was, that was when um i definitely felt the impact and realize how much it had affected me all through my pretty much all through my life and yeah I, I think feminism for me um, what it means is just the freedom and ability for a woman to do and see what she wants to without being shut down or judged or fairly treated mm-hmm. especially if a male can do the same thing and mm-hmm. not get any backlash mm-hmm. yes for me it's more of i feel like for me a feminist mm-hmm. is more of a doer than a talker so it's not really what mm-hmm. people say about like their yeah, feminist um ideas and ideologies it's more of like what they're actually doing in their lives mm, and how they're it, living their baby. lives yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, so it's just, for me, it's more of like mm-hmm. people's actions and people's words. Um, you okay. all over here, and I, like most of you have said, like growing up, you know, at least in Nigeria, when I think of feminism, I didn't necessarily have um, a complete picture of what it was. 
um, it was just like bits of pieces of, oh, they don't like men, they don't wear bras. Um, and so like, it was just, it was just <laughs> the, the part of the argument that um, a patriarch, patriarchal society would um, embody. And so coming to college here in the States and then just, I guess back home, I didn't necessarily have to be immersed in the concept of feminism. But when I came here, you know, it was being talked about, it was being addressed in classes. Um, And so it was just something that I was like, okay, enough of skirting around the issue. Let's actually sit down and actually digest what this is about. So for me, um, when I talk to people about feminism, to me, it would mean um, a movement where women are given the opportunity to be human beings too, where we try to take away the hypocrisy of saying a man can do this, like Amaya was saying, a man can do this, but when it comes to a woman, she's a woman, I beg, don't even, you know. So just kind of being the anti-hypocritical movement, that's how I how I see it. This is Ife, and the first time I heard of I heard the word feminism, I think I was maybe 10 and I didn't really know what it meant, but I knew that I was feminist even though I didn't know what it meant. I knew that it, it at the very baseline it meant that women could do what men could do. And I so I my father is the only man in our house. We're all girls, we're all women. And my father brought us, his daughters, up thinking and knowing Mm -hmm. that we could do everything. So, you know, if it's time to change the bulb, the light bulb, my father would teach us, I'd say, oh, yeah, go and change the light bulb, go and wash the car. Because, like, there were no, in terms of the children of the house, there were only girl children in the house. So there was no, oh, your brother should do this, Mm -hmm. only you can do this. So in that that Mm -hmm. regard, my household was feminist by default and Mm -hmm. it's when I got to Mount Holyoke though that I really started thinking critically about feminism Mm -hmm. and feminist theory and I took a feminist and gender studies 101 class at Mount Holyoke I took it my last semester at Mount Holyoke and to this day I keep kicking myself that I waited that (laughs) long to take a class and that class just blew my mind in terms of you know the the that you know feminism is gender equality yes but it's so much more than that it is like you know gender Mm -hmm. and class and gender Mm -hmm. and race and gender and ability and gender and sexual Mm -hmm. orientation all of all of those intersection inter Mm -hmm. the intersectionality of ideas so to me feminism means gender equality for all genders because you know they're not they're non-binary people that don't they don't identify as male or female but like equality at the very that's that's the baseline definition of feminism feminism to me and freedom to do whatever you want so same as amaya and oyeka said so yeah now that we've established I don't want to ask you guys. It sounds like you guys are feminists from the description you've given me, but I don't want to assume. And I I don't even think it's important to ask you guys. So, like, because I know it can be a very mm-hmm. yep. loaded question when you ask mm-hmm. somebody, are you a feminist? Are you a... Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about, you know, gender equality in the broad, broader sense or, you know, feminism in the broader sense. But I think we have a good 
baseline to start off with. So do you guys have any, thinking back where you grew up, do you have any feminist examples? It's not something you necessarily had, have to have recognized that femi- as feminist at the time, but anything that sparks your memory about, you know, an occurrence that happened or an interaction or any feminist hmm. heroes... Um, I have an example of a person who I didn't realize how important, or I, let me not say how important she was in my life because I don't think that's what I'm trying to see here. But I think looking <laughs> back now, like I just feel like, oh, this is Amayo. Sorry, sorry, guys, it's Amayo. Uh, although I feel like at this point you guys should know her voices, but it's okay. <laughs> just kidding. I'll keep saying who I am. Um, so yeah, so back in primary school, I had this lesson teacher. I'll call, I'll shout her out just in case you know for some reason she's listening to this. Her name her name is Mrs. Backwin, and she was she was my lesson teacher um for a couple of years in primary school, right? And I think looking back at it now, I just realized <laughs> how much of a boss lady she was. Like, yeah. like she was just so awesome, and she was so intelligent. Obviously, she well, that's not obvious because she was not intelligent. Anyways, that's fine. But she, she just like owned like this job as a teacher, and she had like a particular way of dressing, which was every day she wore like pants, like long pants, slacks, and the you know button up, but button down or button up T-shirt. And her hairstyle was always the same. But, like, I don't know, she just had this authority. And she, you could tell that she loved her job because she, the way she taught us, I think she was the only teacher in my second primary school that I actually enjoyed, like, being taught by. Um, and she was, like, a very funny, down-to-earth, relatable teacher. Um and like she, I mean, she was also very strict too. So like, if you weren't doing well, obviously she'll flog you. But like, mm-hmm. that's only if you're not doing well. But um, and she would drive herself to um to school every day. Uh, I don't know, just the way she carried herself and the way she com like she commanded the people around her. Like she, like nobody could mess with her, male or female. <laughs> she would tell you off immediately, like on the spot. And she was just so cool. Like, she would just, like, break dance in the middle of class. <laughs> I was just like... I, I, when I was thinking about it, like, I was just like, wow, this man was just awesome. And nobody could stop her. Like, nobody could tell her what to do. Yeah. And for me, like, I feel like whenever I find these kind of boss ladies in my life, I'm just like... I feel like I just, like, write down things in my mind. Like, if you check this woman, like, had this. Like, she's awesome. I want to steal this value of this um, treat from her like lock that in somewhere so in the future I can use it like and I feel like she was just one of those people that I I just wanted to emulate she was just too cool yeah. too bossy loved it I love her <laughs> I, I need to do <laughs> oh wow um Yika O over here and when I think of that question there are a couple of people who um pop up in my mind and I didn't of course at the time realize that they were feminists you know but I would I would definitely say my mom is one of those people um and and the women that I grew up around to like my neighbors and stuff um these are people who um, my mom worked in a bank um and 
when I went back home this past summer, just looking at her pictures where they would go to like conferences and meetings and she would like be the only woman with all like about 10 guys and just realizing that she wasn't one to back down from something because she felt like she was a female. Like she just always felt like whatever she set her mind to do, she was going to do it and get it done well. You know, so growing up, I was never raised to, um, and it's funny, I was having this conversation with a couple of people at a conference on Friday. Um, the idea, like I never grew up seeing my gender as a reason for my inability to do something because my mom had just never been that person. It was like, if you want to do something, you go ahead and get it done and you make sure you get it done well. Otherwise, don't even bother doing it at all. Um, so I would definitely say my mom and then just the other women that she interacted with, um, just being leaders in their field, regardless of having a family and, you know, all these responsibilities that society puts on you, but they just like went and they did it and they did it well. Yeah, this is semantic. And I would also say, um, I think of my mother because growing up, at least in terms of her interaction with my father, I, I would always see how bold and how articulate she was. And when I, I guess, observed other couples, I, you know, the women were usually, or at least expected mm-hmm. to be very soft-spoken. You know, it would be the man who was allowed to raise his voice and yell and express any emotion that he had. You know, the woman was always expected to mm-hmm. internalize any, I guess, uncomfortable mm-hmm. emotion. But my mother was... And nothing of that sort. She, she would yell. She was just very, very bold. And and growing up, I mean, I didn't understand its importance. But now looking back on it, I would say, man, she was she was a boss. And <laughs> and she always because mm-hmm. she, and she was also very independent. And that's not the norm in a lot of Ethiopian societies because mm-hmm. the male is the breadwinner. But my mom, she had her own job, so. She kind of always let us know. Of course, she was, she, was very, she was in a very happy marriage. But, you know, I guess in a way, it was also unspoken that if anything were to happen between the, them two, she would be okay on her own. And mm-hmm. for me growing up, that's such such an important lesson to learn and a very important part of my upbringing now that I, I want to feel very financially secure and very independent. And I never want to depend on any man. So that was important for me. But another person that came to my mind, and she might not be famous internationally, but in Ethiopia, um, she's very, very popular. Her name is Empress Aiki. And you guys were talking about how Ethiopia has never been colonized in one of your episodes. And mm-hmm. she is she's she's one of the biggest. She listens. <laughs> yes. So she is one of the biggest reasons for that. Um, mm. So she was she was an empress mm. married to Emperor Miliken. She had considerable political power um, at the time, and she led an army during the Battle of Adwa, so the historic Battle of Adwa. And yeah, and I was actually mm. reading a, a few weeks ago about how Minlik, the emperor. It was in his nature to always postpone unpleasant decisions because he never wanted to be rude to people. So he'd always say, ah, yes, tomorrow. So she, she was the one who, um, was, she was the one who'd say, no, absolutely not, or turn people away. 
and for that for that reason you know Midlick was very loved by the people in the community whereas she was increasingly unpopular so it's just when women have to be bold and have to say no it's a it's a quality to be disliked but when a man says no he's just uh you know he's firm he's bold he's articulate and that way but yeah those those two women came to my mind when thinking about this question Awesome. Yeah, this is Ifeni right here, and I, yeah, when I was thinking about that question, the first person that came to mind just to echo, like, Onyeka and um, Sanafik was my mom, and I thought of this quote, mm. like, well-behaved women seldom make history, and mm-hmm. I... I don't know. When I, I mean, I feel like when you're younger, like, you don't really see your parents, like, yeah. as multifaceted human beings. Like, we just see them in their one role as, like, our parents. Mm. Um, but then as you grow, as you get older, then you just begin to, you know, look back and see, I don't know, to just see them as, like, people with, like, all these different parts of themselves and just begin to like empathize more with them and I think as I've grown up I just been able to see more in full just how uh, a force of nature my mother is like it's (laughs) the things that woman has been through in her life (laughs) like yeah she's just been through a lot and for her to just remain the person that she is is I mean, I don't know if she self-identifies as feminist, but a lot of the things she did that I saw her do growing up definitely (laughs) have feminism written all over it. Um, And just one of the things, I don't know if we're going to talk about this later on in the episode, but when, yeah, when I was 10, my dad passed. And so just that cultural practice of a man passing and his family coming around and deciding what is theirs to take. Mm -hmm. I got to experience that Mm -hmm. firsthand. Like, granted, I was really young, um, but just seeing my mom in that place where she was very vulnerable and to her in-laws and what they decided to do. But in spite of that, her being strong Mm -hmm. and refusing to back down. Um, and just how she spoke for herself. And even after that, like as a single parent, like just doing everything she could to make everything work. Um, and even now there's some spaces where I see my mom and like, I know that sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, this woman, she's too loud. She's this, she's, but, <laughs> and even then as a kid being, sometimes being ashamed because I'm like, mom, just I know. Like, let this Give person win. <laughs> Let's just go. Um, and her just like refusing to back down because she knew that in, especially in like our society that women are often mm-hmm. disrespected. And in so many situations, like, she just refused to take it. And if that meant that, you know what, I'm going to get out of this car and leave it on the street, <laughs> like, me and my kids are going to take the bus home. <laughs> um, like, you know, just doing everything she could to just, like, make sure she was respected and she wasn't just mistreated. Like, she's... I don't know, she's really come a long way in, like, standing for herself and, like, being confident in who she is as a woman. And even though she doesn't have any husband, not letting that define who mm-hmm. she is and what she can or cannot do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. definitely my mom. I give all props to her. This is Ife, by the way. And that question, 
my mom obviously there's so many reasons why but i think the the my first impression of feminism or what happened that was that i didn't think of as feminist at the time but actually had a really big impact on me was my father saying so somebody was asking that oh you have three girls mm-hmm. aren't you gonna keep trying for a boy and I was mm. in the room when my when that person was talking to my father. My father was like, ah, "What do you mean by trying for a boy? I choose mm-hmm. our girl children, not children. What's this? Yes. Why am I why am I looking for a boy? Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. three children already. Girl children mm. are children, and I am fine with my daughters. And that had such a profound impact on me because, like, I was young when that when that interaction happened. But the fact that my father so confidently was like, "I don't need a boy. You know, my mm. children are." whole human beings my girls are whole human beings i don't need somebody you know <laughs> oh carry on the family name my brothers have sons mm. and the family name will continue my girl children are are good enough they're wonderful mm. so that that made me that instilled such a deep self sense of self-confidence and self-worth in me at such a young age that my father just and it was not even like you know he was not trying to make a I'm not even sure he really realized I was in the room, but it mm-hmm. just, it was, it, it was awesome. So yeah, that interaction is one thing that mm-hmm. I really, really remember. Mm-hmm. Then African feminist heroes, um, <laughs> Shimamanda, of course, the boss. <laughs> I love, I think my favorite thing about Shimamanda is how she made feminism so relatable and so understandable and she broke it down and she was like you know like this is what you know this is what feminist feminism is this is what gender equality means this is why Mm. it is important so you know she's boss i love Uh, her can i say one african hero hero whatever you want to call it um so the this is actually not just an individual it's (laughs) a group of people um, and for some reason, like when I heard the story the first time, it's just always stuck with me as like, nobody can tell you nothing. Like if you set your mind to it, people, they'll have to listen. Um, and so it's the About Women's Riots of 1929 that happened in Nigeria. And every time I think about that, I'm just like, mm-hmm. just so empowered by the fact that there were women who were from a culture where i mean they had a voice in their homes but they didn't necessarily have a voice in their community per se and they were just like you know what we're not going to deal with coming and taxing all our goods how do you expect us to take care of our families and these women rallied together and were able to bring significant change to an entire community of people and so i will forever you know have those women in my heart i mean we don't know what their names are but the about women's right of 1929 mm-hmm. definitely so uh traditional gender roles where the community you grew up in and and um so i'm gonna preface that with saying that so nigeria nigeria senate downvoted was the official Mm -hmm. terminology rejected yes vetoed (laughs) nigeria's senate rejected a gender equality bill that was supposed to, you know, in that bill, it had provision for that made discrimination based on gender illegal. So there are some certain practices in Nigeria, like, for example, if anyone was just telling us a little snippet of it, but there are some cultural practices that when a man dies, his property 
is split amongst his family. So like his family being, you know, his siblings and his parents and not actually his immediate family being his wife and children. So people come in, you know, the, the in-laws come in and basically ransack the house and divvy up the booty if you will and the children are left the, the wife and children are left impoverished and like there are different there are different cultural mm-hmm. practices like that that happen there's female genital mutilation there is there is um child child brides yeah child brides there's mm-hmm. child brides there is you know like they'll say oh your husband mm-hmm. is your god i be your husband is your like there's so many it, like so for example now Yoruba women they greet that this is a it, this is a term term of endearment but mm. they say Olowo Rimi. It basically means like the owner of my head, the owner of hey. my the like my owner wow. basically. You know, the person that yeah. So there's there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of that patriarchal crazy, ties man. to our to our um our cultural practices. So do you guys have any mm. cultural practices, especially that you want to highlight that are very anti-feminist? Then we'll also like talk about ones that are surprisingly feminist. So do you guys want to go? Mm-hmm. Um, Yeka over here. I think the, the idea that, you know, when men are talking, that, you know, the women don't have a say, like they should go and do something else. Um, so yeah, like (laughs) go occupy yourself, talk about, you know, things that women talk about, but when men are talking about important issues, then, you know, just stay out of it and let the men do the talking. I think all this one isn't, I wouldn't say it's top of the list important, but it's just one of those things that first popped into my head. But I know, so I'm from cross, this is Amayo, by the way, I'm from cross river states. Um, and I know, like, from my experiences going to Calabar um, every once in a while, they, we have, like, these masquerades that usually go around people's houses and they perform different shows that have different meanings and such. And then there's this one that um, apparently women are not allowed to see. Mm-hmm. And I've always mm-hmm. wondered why. Obviously, I've not seen it, so I don't know what is going on there that they don't want us to <laughs> like it's so confusing and it's very very annoying like what do you mean like what are you guys doing that i cannot see and obviously it's not like it's not like they're getting naked or anything it's just like just i'm sure i'm sure it's just one of those things that like oh there's one more thing that women cannot cannot participate in because women because men rule this world i just want to read a quote from the um chimamanda chimamanda's book we should all be feminists culture does not make people people make culture if it is true that the full humanity of women is not our culture, then we can and must make it our culture. So just going back to what we're what what we're talking about, cultural practices, um, from your place of origin, what you know, what are the certain cultural practices that you think need to be changed? It's all the same question wrapped into one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is synophic and one one practice that comes to my mind that's prevalent in Ethiopia, unfortunately, is um, Mm. marriage by abduction, so bride kidnapping, and it's actually a a thing. So the first time I saw it, I think I was watching a movie, and 
And I thought it was almost comedic because I, I thought it was just ridiculous. But then my mother explained mm-hmm. that it's actually a practice. So essentially what happens is um, a guy would, would see a girl and he would be interested. And then in Ethiopia, usually how you propose to your wife, you don't propose to her, you propose to her family. So another, I guess, injustice when thinking about feminism, she doesn't really need to have a say. Mm-hmm. You, you ask her family, her, her father, mm-hmm. you know, usually. So he would be the one who gives her off. And, and now it's done mostly for, I guess, traditional purposes. Like you would propose to your wife, you would propose to your fiance, but then you'd also kind of send people out to her family. So it's, it's still mm-hmm. practice, but not to the same extent. But so with marriage by abduction, if the family says no, um, then the men would kidnap the men and his the man and his friends would kidnap her and hide her and then they'd rape her and then once she oh, becomes then once she becomes pregnant no. she's essentially yours so in oh and southern parts of ethiopia i believe they kind of once that takes place they would negotiate with the family um saying uh, you know oh, no. she's already carrying my child so i guess at a price she's sold so yeah, oh this is this goodness. is a this is something that happens, and so that that came to my mind. It's still prevalent, not as prevalent as it used to be, but it wow. still takes place. And also, one thing I'd like to add, actually, um, Angelina Jolie just produced a movie called Dif- yeah. Diflet, and mm-hmm. it chronicles the life of um, a girl who was kidnapped um, by her, I guess soon-to-be husband and then it, it's a, a wonderful movie and i would recommend mm. people go see it it's very eye-opening mm. hey, what's it called different d-i-f-r-e-t it mm. translates to rape um interesting yeah okay I love angelina <laughs> jolie too side note <laughs> but, but i think she's bae Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, over here. Um, I think when I was maybe fifteen or sixteen, I got to watch a stage play, um, the Vagina Monologues, but it was adapted to the African, well, Nigerian society. So I got to watch that, and in one of the skits, it was a man whose friend came to visit, and he was staying the night. And so as part of the practice of that place, and I don't remember um, where exactly, but if your friend is spending the night in honor, in order to like honor their presence in their home, you would either offer up your oldest daughter um, or your youngest daughter to be with them for the night. Um, And in a situation where like the mother is like, you know, please, not my child you know maybe she's about to get married or something then she'll go in place of the child and i don't remember like what tribe does it begin to to speak because i'm just like wait how like why like why you know like uh, i don't know i don't know but yeah so if you're listening and you know what tribe it is can you please let me know thanks I mean, I think I already mentioned this earlier when I was talking, but mm. definitely because of personal experience, mm. I think the whole culture, well, I'm Igbo, so this <laughs> is probably only pertaining to like Igbos, 
but just the whole cultural practice of like when a woman becomes a widow and like you know all the the divvying up up of you know property that needs to happen and how that's like essentially dominated by the men from the deceased family and yeah that needs to stop it's that needs to just stop yeah yeah mm-hmm. um it's just a lot of and especially if there's like animosity like if the siblings didn't really like the person who died and then there's animosity especially mm-hmm. if that, the deceased was rich then there's also that and it's like no we deserve it we worked for it no you didn't um and yeah it's just like and i yeah but I think that's definitely one cultural practice, just like protection of widows and their children when it comes to like, um, yeah, inheriting property. Yeah. And just even just being treated right. <laughs> like sometimes it's not even about like inheritance. It's just like, can the women just be treated like human beings? Like they don't need to be accused of killing their husbands. They don't need to be you know, unfairly treated and, you know, all of that. Sometimes it's not even about, you know, property. It's just about respecting women. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like after Sinofik said, like, what, like, the whole abduction thing, I've just been like, whoa. Like, anything (laughs) I see now is just like, I'm just like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Anyways. So yeah, I think, so this is not specific to any particular culture. I'm not sure how widespread it is in the continent, but it has to do with how um, people raise their children, how families and, you know, parents raise their children. And I know it's slowly, it's slowly being um, eliminated, I guess, um, these days, but I still think it's one of those things that no matter how progressive people are trying to be it's just inherent in at least nigerians people's minds how you know the woman or you, you have to train your female children to be great homemakers mm. meanwhile your sons are just waste men okay not waste men <laughs> but they really they do are sometimes, they don't even know <laughs> yeah sometimes they really are waste men like you cannot you don't know how to fry an egg really Really, you mm. cannot boil eggs. Like, can you? I mean, if it's it's one thing to train your children how to be like homemakers, obviously, like we all need to learn how to take care of ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. But I think it should be more balanced out. Like, you shouldn't pick the girls uh, to do all the slave housework <laughs> while the boys are upstairs watching TV mm-hmm. and or studying because the girls don't need to study or what. Like, I don't understand. Um, like things like that and yeah and and the sad thing about it is that women women kind of are gatekeepers of patriarchy like you know every Mm. every Mm -hmm. oppressive thing has gatekeepers and without the gatekeepers it won't it won't be as strong so women themselves when they you know mothers and when they have children they'll be like oh go and sit down if the boy tries to come to come to the mm-hmm. kitchen no go and sit down go and sit down go and sit down go and call your sister your sister should be here go and re-. i'm like no what are you doing I, you're just making life hard like yeah. this boy is going to marry a woman and make a life hard like you're just creating exactly. problems for another Thank woman you. to solve like what is this life Thank you. you know i'm just one one more thing is like i know so 
for these families who okay where money is not the issue right money is not the issue but they choose to only send their sons abroad mm. for better education uh-uh. and they will leave their daughters yes that thing irritates my soul so like i'm just like what are that. you people do that like not as much mm. these days but i met like i know of some families that do that like they will send mm. their sons particularly the first son to you mm. know, the best schools abroad meanwhile their daughter's education is not as important then it's just like wow <laughs> like how does that make any sense mm. how the main cultural practice that is close to home for me this is Ife, by the way that i think needs to be you know ter- thrown into the fiery mm-hmm. pit and burnt <laughs> <laughs> is is female genital mutilation oh, it's a, yes. so it's such a ridiculous oh, practice and i so i have a family friend her grandmother like came to visit one day like when she was a baby and the and you know i think her parents traveled anyway by the time they came back this woman had circumcised like mutilated the the baby girls oh my god and for for our listeners who don't know what female genital mutilation is what people basically do please google it (laughs) like don't don't google it with images like google it but don't like don't enable images Uh, because it is so so basically what they try to do is curb to curb um what's this word promiscuity amongst women they they like this they cut off the clitoris and you know like the clitoris is where all the nerve endings are so basically no enjoyment of sex for you they cut off the clitoris they cut off part of the labia minora sometimes part of the labia majora so like basically all the external Sometimes, in the most extreme of cases, all the external like genitalia is gone, and it's just like the hole, like your you know where you your urethra and the yep, 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 and yep. the vagina. So like, and this is this is all in a bid to to crush women's sexuality, to crush like to control them, to like it's just hmm. I it's uh, yeah hmm. yeah it's frustrating. They, it's so frustrating the fact that like men think that they own our bodies and ah uh, lord yes but let's <laughs> let's, let's pivot a little i know now. i know dark let's pivot a little are there any traditional cultural things that you didn't that are like feminist when you think back on now so you know you may not have necessarily thought they were feminist at the time, but now that you, oh, that's, you could be like, oh, that's really cool that this happens or that happens. Oh, are all our cultures just super misogynist? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think, and I'm like, wait a minute, are all the traditional practices just so anti-women? I'm sure there are a couple. <laughs> No, oh, actually, I think I know one. Okay. I, def- I think I definitely know one. So it's this idea of having what's called the umwada. Mm. And so it's made up of um, the like first females from a particular fa- family. So like 
if anyone would be Anada in her house and I would be Anada in my house, right? Because I was the first girl, <laughs> the only girl. Um, but so what it is, it's kind of like an organization of all the first girls in the home. And so like where there are certain issues, they would bring it to the Umwada to then deal with and handle um, in the like grand family scheme of things. So they were the ones who, um, you know, would discuss like what's going on in this home you know how do we go about fixing it or blah 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 so i think that's pretty cool that is pretty although cool. like I, I wish you know sometimes i mean some people are not about that life so just because you're born into it it's just like there you go you're you're part <laughs> of us now but I, i'm wondering do they only deal with like homely issues like what's going on in your household no no, no like, i think i ever... think it might be more it's more than that yeah, I think it's more than that. And they're really respected in the community too. So it's not just mm-hmm. like, oh, the girls are getting together. It's like it's a, it's <laughs> taking seriously. <laughs> girls are just 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 wanna have fun. Yeah, yeah. It's not uh, girls' night out. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. I don't know. Maybe there's some. This is Ifeyawa, but I'm hard pressed to come up with one right now and maybe that's homework for our listeners yes wow (laughs) yeah i think they're just i think there's some cultural practices that are not um well even omugwa that i'm even thinking about so i'm like now everything i'm like questioning it i'm like at the roots of it is that patriarchal because why does it have to be the mother but i mean i think there's some cultural practices like maybe omugwa that are like neutral they're not necessarily like pro-feminism but not anti can you tell us more about Mm. omugwa well, I mean, I said this in the last episode, but essentially when a woman has her first child or not necessarily her, when gives birth, either her mother or her mother-in-law comes to her house and stays with her for a couple of weeks to help her with her baby. So essentially helping her transition into her new role as a mother. Mm. So that's essentially what Omugwa is. So there's some practices like that that are not anti-feminism. Um, but I don't, I'm hard pressed to think of, yeah, man, it's rough out here. (laughs) I would argue that Omugwa is feminist though, because like in a lot of cultures, I feel like, especially like in a lot of cultures, there isn't a lot of support for new mothers. So even in the Western culture here, like when Mm -hmm. you have a baby, and you're clueless, and you don't know what to do, and, you know, but Omugwa, like, that we have Omugwa makes it, makes the transition to motherhood easier, and anything that makes a woman's life easier to me is feminist. Hello. Yeah. There's that. Yeah, one, one practice, well, I don't know if it's, it's not a practice, this is synoptic, by the way, so it's not a practice, but it's an affirmative action by the government, and I think they are getting it right is that so in Ethiopia we take national examinations three times once we can when we get into high school halfway through high school then when we complete high school and then Mm -hmm. I think it's out of a total of 700 points and then there's a threshold for passing and that threshold is lower for women and it's because the government realizes that 
women all over Ethiopia are going to school in the same conditions that most men are. And I think that's quite amazing. But also what annoys you is that people don't translate it in the manner that it was intended to. Like one time I overheard a guy having a conversation with another girl and he was saying, oh, even the threshold is lower for you guys because you're just dumber. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Oh, wow. So it's the way it can be interpreted by few people can be annoying but i think just understanding that if you go to the rural areas a girl when once she hits 10 or 11 she's going to be a child bride so how can you expect that the circumstances and the situations are the same because even even in the city it's the girls that are expected to be the I guess homemakers, you know, mm-hmm. they're expected to spend more time in the kitchen than studying. So it's it, I mean, it's hard out here, but I think in that sense they're they're doing it right and they're trying to raise awareness. So it's not a traditional practice, but at least it's something I think that's Feminism. Do you guys have any thoughts on the stuff that we read before I barrel through our, the rest of our questions? So did you, was there anything in the readings that spoke to you? I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I really liked the um, commentary by Ozzy mm. Itomi on the Nigerian gender equality bill that didn't pass. And there was a quote where mm-hmm. she said, when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was like a really perfect quote to essentially um, summarize just the pushback that is essentially received when equality um, of, you know, all people is like brought up like, oh, you know, women should be protected. Like they shouldn't be discriminated against when it comes to education, mm-hmm. employment, marriage. And you're like, oh my gosh, no, no, no. <laughs> like, oh, like there's this pushback, like it's a bad thing. And it's like, no, women have rights. They should be respected. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, just that pushback, it's almost like a reflex because they're, They've gotten so comfortable in their privilege that seeing the world any other way is just unimaginable to them. Yeah. Can we talk about how the their excuses for rejecting the gender and equality bill is that is against oh their religion and tradition? I'm like, what is this? I don't know. I think a lot of the things we do, especially as Nigerians, is because of our culture mm. and our religious beliefs but one of the other things that was brought up in the commentary by ozzy is that where are your religious beliefs when people are stealing money mm-hmm. are embezzling mm-hmm. when are you know essentially rigging election like where is your religious belief when all these things are happening so when it comes to equality oh you're like oh no 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 we can't do things differently yeah yeah it's it's being selective it's a joke yeah Okay, um, so we'll we'll try to wrap up, <laughs> wind down now. I have this one more quote from Chimamanda. It goes, we teach girls shame, close your legs, cover yourself. We make them feel as though being born female, they are already guilty of something. And so girls grow up to be women who cannot say they have desire, who silence themselves, mm-hmm. who cannot say what they truly think, who have turned pretense into an art form. 
what are your thoughts on that on that passage on that quote well so <laughs> this is uh this is thing where i'm just it might be maybe it might answer your question but or it might be going somewhere else but i there was a part in the her speech where she said women are taught to be guilty they're made inherently guilty and it just reminded me of situations where like rape occurs mm. right mm-hmm. um i can't remember maybe and maybe this is what she was talking about in her speech my mind was talking about in her speech but i heard there was this thing that blew up about a girl who was raped by mm-hmm. gang raped i think it was at unilag yeah. or some university mm-hmm. in nigeria and it's like you and even this when the situation about sugar belly also came up like recently Mm -hmm. just like oh she must have been asking for it like why was she there like what was she doing (laughs) and it's just like all these things that are pointing towards the victim essentially you know and it's like why are we putting the blame on the woman and we're not questioning the the perpetrators like and this happens in mm-hmm. other situations it's like what was she doing mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. brought she wearing yourself like this isn't a crime that was committed and should not even <sighs> should not have even happened in the first place and i know like some people's arguments again this is like you know the world is imperfect like you know that's why we have all these things like you know you can't just leave your laptop out and about because somebody will steal it like and it's like I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, when we come across situations like this, we shouldn't automatically, like, blame the woman for this. Like, why aren't we also questioning what men... Ah, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And this answers... If I, like, there was a, one of the questions you put on the spreadsheet was, what do we want to teach our children mm-hmm. about feminism? Mm-hmm. And for me, very strongly, I'm like, I want... If I have boys, and if I... Also, girls, too... Men are not entitled to anything in this life. No. They're not entitled to anything. And that includes women's bodies. Yes. It's not theirs to take. Yeah. And, you know, same thing with boys. It's like, she she does not belong to you. (laughs) Did you make her? Mm -hmm. Did you bring her into this (laughs) world? Did you make her? (laughs) Like, (laughs) why do you feel like, because she, when you whistled at her, she didn't look at you, you feel like, oh my, you have to teach her a lesson. Why? Why are you God? Mm. Like, are you, like, what about what makes you special mm. because there's something dangly between your legs like no there's oh. nothing special about you i really really love the by felipe um instagram handle or page or whatever <laughs> i don't know if you guys have like know of it some of the things they're just like okay this is unnecessary but some of them i'm just like wow like i think it's just it's very scary to know how people think yeah can you tell us more about what the by felipe instagram account is oh okay sure 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 so pretty much what they do is they paste or sorry they post um screen grab screen um shots of conversations between um girl like a girl and a guy or girls and guys where in most situations the boy reacts like a crazy person when he's being rejected by the female and in most cases like the guy just expects the girl to like always reply his very very crude messages or mm. and it's like their egos like i, I it's, it's scary because like some, some of the things that they say mm-hmm. in reply i'm just like whoa like are you actually crazy why would you say this to anybody like even if it's a message that you don't think will go will spread around the world like 
So the guy, he, he, he could be like, oh, hey, girl, I think you're sexy. Like, slide into my DM or something. And, like, <laughs> and the girl will be like, uh, no, like, never. And the guy will be like, oh, you crazy ass bitch. Da, 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 da. You don't know, mm. nobody even wants you anyway. You're ugly. You're this. I'm just like, whoa, like, who is this monster? And like, who are these crazy people in this world? Masculinity is mm. so fragile. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I'm tell like it's so like even like going back. This even goes into feminism because when we don't teach our boys to express the full range range of their emotions from the beginning, when we tell them, "Oh, you have mm-hmm. to be a man. This is how a man yes. acts." When we, yeah, when we construct, when we make masculinity so rigid and so unfeeling, and when they can't handle rejection mm. and like their response to rejection is to lash out. When we don't, yeah. when we don't tell them that, like you know how we define masculinity oh you must you must be a hit with the ladies you must have all the money all of these like stupid as fuck things and when they don't see themselves in those in those masculine views or if somebody threatens that aspect of their masculinity they Mm -hmm. lash out and 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 this is like women literally die because of fragile masculinity Mm -hmm. if you if you google woman killed by suitor or woman killed by partner or woman killed by boyfriend woman killed by husband woman like so many hits if you if you um if you search um you okay sis on twitter hashtag you okay sis is people Mm. like live tweeting their harassments people live tweeting like them being scared because of men that are following them men that they rejected anyway masculinity is so Mm -hmm. fragile and this is why feminism is important this is why we need to deconstruct gender roles and talk more and have because it's it's we're doing a disservice to both men and women when we when we uphold all of these Mm. gender gender roles we're we're making our men like half half humans because they're not able to tap into their emotional sides they're not able to be full human beings we're not allowing women be full human beings too so it's just it's just fucked all around yeah absolutely Mm. i agree with you it was interesting because i've never thought about it in terms of how we do a disservice when raising boys i just think oh it's a great disservice when we're raising girls but absolutely Mm -hmm. and one thing that comes to my mind also when if you said you don't have a right think Mm. thinking about Cat calling, for example, cat calling is such Oof. is such a huge issue in Ethiopia. Whenever I go back home, it's it's just one of the things that I dread, and it's because of their ego, their fragile ego, that they feel like they can just harass you out on the street. If I mean, mm-hmm. me as a human being, this isn't just me thinking as a woman. I don't think I have any right to harass someone who's walking, going about their day. Like, I don't know them. But they not only talk to you, but they get angry when you don't talk back. They'll get up in your face. They'll Mm -hmm. feel comfortable Mm -hmm. to touch you. And even, like, whenever I go out, one thing that I hate, absolutely hate, is any man touching me. Like, what gives you the right? And they they just feel comfortable touching you. And And I think it's because we teach boys to be afraid of weakness and vulnerability masculinity is such a small cage that we put our boy like we put boys inside and 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 even my friends my guy friends i see them struggling to express vulnerability express fear express weakness so 
it's a disservice mm. overall. And this is Ikeniwa, and you know, talking about catcalling, I came across this article on Medium called titled "Why We Smile at Men Who Sexually Harass Us," and it's because we all know that masculinity is fragile and we've heard or know firsthand what happens when you know it's like do you know how many women don't make it home safe because they felt like the woman that they were catcalling didn't like engage them Mm -hmm. it's it's just it's insane um and just the last thing i I want to add actually the last two things (laughs) is a just because um, women are asking to be treated respectfully or, you know, feminism is pushing for equality. It doesn't mean that all women are perfect, you know, and mm-hmm. we know that sometimes that's the argument that, oh, like, you know, why are you pushing for this? Like, you know, some women don't deserve this position to be the CEO. Da, da, da. It's like, that's not what this is about. Mm, speak on it. <laughs> you know, can, can we at least get a chance? Mm-hmm. Like, we're not asking for you to, like, hand those things. Like, just because we're pushing for equality doesn't mean we're asking to be handed things. And then the last thing I'll add is intersectionality, which if you mentioned, you brought up earlier in the episode mm-hmm. that, and this is one reason, like, some of my friends, like, don't want to identify as feminist because of the baggage that feminism has. And like, sometimes feminism doesn't include everyone. Um, mm. and if I, you were, you also mentioned this earlier about some people who like don't identify as male or female or don't engage in non-binary, like gender, um, assignments. And so feminism isn't perfect. You know, nothing in this life is perfect. Like there's so many, gaping holes in feminism and one of them is like that urge to keep on being intersectional and including you know women who are not americans you know women who are international women who are you know of other races women of different socioeconomic backgrounds and it's not just you know white skinny able-bodied you know just one type of woman and ooh, last thing my <laughs> one of my favorite poets ijama umebinyo um, she tweeted a couple, I think a couple weeks ago, that there's no one way to be, you know, feminist. Mm-hmm. There's no one way of, like, being an African. There's no one way of being feminist. And I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. I think, so going going back to what you you said, Ife Nwa, about intersectionality, um, this is Ife, by the way, one of my favorite feminist theorists, Audre Lorde, uh, she, she had this there's this writing or speech that she gave the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. And basically Mm -hmm. what she was talking about is how intersectionality is important for us, for, for the advancement of feminism. So she didn't use the word Mm -hmm. intersectional intersectionality in her, in her speech per se, but she was talking about how the mainstream feminist movement has, you know, they don't talk about women of color at that point they were not really talking about women of color they were not talking about women in third in developing countries they were not talking about disabled women or or lesbian women it was very very white centric it was very very you know oh i'm a housewife i want to move into the working world it was focused on you know white women's struggles if you will Mm -hmm. and how she said like if if we really want to overcome patriarchy, if we really want a, a more equal, equal, equitable world, we cannot use the same mechanics of patriarchy of of elevating one group of people over the other. Like our mm-hmm. movements will not succeed. So, off of that, are there any lessons that you know you want to teach people? Are there any ways you would like? 
feminism to evolve? You know, what are your what are your hopes for the future? This is Sinophic. I would say trying to incorporate it into conversations more. Um, even going back to my country, I would say I'd want to have conversations about it with my brother, with my friends. The concept and also just the terminology feminism. I feel like we need to we need to bring it into our conversations and and I'm going to be actually bold and say how I mean, you see prejudice everywhere. Like when looking at race, for example, at least I feel like out in the public, we've created a situation where people might be racist at heart, but they would never feel comfortable to say, I'm racist. At least we've created that <laughs> scenario. We're, we're, of course, we're, it's not all the way there, but at least in my interactions, I, I don't have anybody who feel comfortable to say they're racist, but... I know a lot of people feel comfortable enough to say they're not feminist while understanding what the concept is. So if people, I feel like we should make people feel uncomfortable if they believe that women are lesser just because of mm. their gender. Like I, need, I feel like we need to kind of, I guess, break out mm. into that path because, yes, maybe feminism isn't a theory that you're familiar with, but at least, I guess, open the door to have those discussions, to try and understand it. But at least I don't want to associate with anybody who feels like I am lesser just because I'm a woman. And I want to start making people feel uncomfortable if they believe that. I think following up on what Sinafik just said about introducing him more into conversation, I have a lot of things that um, that I that really set me off with the education system in Nigeria specifically. But I think I really want um, like feminism and all it is and what it stands for to be incorporated more in our educational system because I feel like schools are where kids are mostly impacted, especially in their younger years. Like. I feel like that's the best place to introduce it to people mm-hmm. in like while they are learning while they're in schools because I, like like I said earlier at the beginning I mean obviously I came into contact with the word feminism in probably secondary school but I was never given any place to explore like what that meant to me on a, like like in a classroom or even as like a group on campus or something so I mean I think it's one thing that needs to be addressed definitely more in Africa as I think we are still behind compared to um, the West. <laughs> You'd be surprised though. Is it North America that is still trying to control what women do with their bodies? Oh no, I mean definitely. I, I, there are still gaps everywhere. Like people, like There's still a lot to be done in general but I'm just saying I still think the mindset of the typical African person is still much, like, very underdeveloped when it comes to, like, feminism and its place in. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. Uh, Yika O over here, and I've been silent for a while, just trying to collect (laughs) my thoughts. Um, They're still probably going to be all over the place anyway. (laughs) Um... 
So coming into this conversation, you know, at first I was like, oh, this is going to be very interesting because, you know, I don't know what everybody's take on feminism is. And this conversation has gone on so much smoother because we kind of are all on the same page as to what exactly feminism is. I've been in situations where people who are feminists define feminism in a way that I don't think um, it is or, yeah. So I feel like in, in the midst of educating our kids or bringing it up in conversation, um, that we need to be, we need to have done our research into what exactly is this? What are we telling people about? Or what are you championing? What are you challenging society on? Um, so that's always the first point of call. Because if you put up some an article and this girl was just saying mm, all kinds of... Can we talk about that article though? <laughs> Is it, is it worth talking about the <laughs> <laughs> because their arguments were very flimsy though <laughs> like I feel like we should have a different episode where like people some people who don't identify as feminists like and are more eloquent <laughs> because I feel like that article is not a good resource yeah to, like... <laughs> so not not talk about not talk about it in terms of like we want to you know she's not a serious like yeah no but <laughs> but basically the underlying idea under it you know how she's like the misconceptions of what she thinks feminism is like let me find mm-hmm. should i find a quote and read a quote of that article she was like <laughs> like the general idea was like oh i don't want my we should not be competing with men that she doesn't want her niece to be ma- like it was just a very trash on the inside yes. being a man in a feminine uh-huh. like, what are you talking like the about? argument was smelly when they say smelling argument uh, <laughs> it was and, this, and I feel like sorry Anika you were talking sorry to cut you off but like this was no, something to Amanda brought up in her speech to that like nobody's saying that men and women are the same right you know we're different in terms of physicality and you know hormones that we have anatomy you know but but there are certain obstacles that men are not able to see that women have to go through Mm -hmm. which is what Mm -hmm. something she said which amanda said and i think for me just moving forward it's like, and Sanafik was saying this, like having, you know, these conversations where pushing somebody t- to be uncomfortable about <laughs> the sexist ideas that they might have. Um, because men, a lot of men don't have to think about gender. They go through this life, you know, with the privilege of being men. And so they're more easily able to navigate, navigate certain spaces and they're taken more seriously because, oh, there's a man in the room, like. Okay, even like sometimes, like you know, going back to catcalling, it's like you're catcalling a girl because she's by herself. But if she was with a guy, it's like, oh, she's already taken. You know, like yeah. So it's, I think there's a lot of dialogue that has to happen where like men are made more aware of all the obstacles that, and even some women. I think there are even some women who don't think there's anything worth yeah. <laughs> that oh why is feminism a thing that there's no we don't have any issues anymore and it, mm-hmm. it's that's... definitely a concept that's misunderstood because some people also believe that if they enjoy you know staying at home or 
allowing their husbands to be their breadwinner that they are somehow not feminists and I love how initially we were talking about feminism as a choice. The woman should be allowed to make a choice for herself. And whatever that is, if that's her choice, let her be. Or like, oh yeah, because you're a housewife, you're not a feminist. Or because you're wearing a hijab, you're not a feminist. Mm-hmm. Like, no, she wants, mm-hmm. if she, that's her choice to stay at home and raise her kids, like, that's that's amazing but if somebody mm-hmm. is you know is your family or husband's like no you have to stay home <laughs> like you, and you want to work yeah like that's a whole yeah. different conversation yeah sorry I'm, I'm about to go on a different tangent but like how's wait you guys are not let me finish my, my <laughs> sorry, point sorry. i'm just like here being patient but i'm like bruh precious the lord <laughs> no 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 i'm being ridiculous um no I, I just really was saying that to address some of the commentary that came from O Girl's article um, and the concept that feminism is a first world problem um, and does not exist in African countries like Nigeria, for example. Like this is this is not who we are. This isn't who our people are. And it's like if you address what's going on, how it's affecting the psyche and basic humanity then maybe you need to be readdressing some of those things that you've grown up learning and challenging them and realizing, hey, why shouldn't this girl who's doing the same job get the promotion? I was actually in a conversation with someone who said, well, there's an opening at his job and they're trying to promote someone. It's between a guy and a girl, but he feels like they're going to lean more towards the guy because he has a family to feed. And I'm like, she's married and has a family to feed. So... (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused as to why you think it's better to hire the guy, not because of his merits or anything, mm. but because he has a family to feed. So just this whole notion that feminism is only for the wise people who have time to deal with it. Let's stop. And in your own time, go on Google, do your research, and then ask yourself, am I actually fighting the right cause or not? Yeah, I'm done. I just dropped my mic. <laughs> mic drop. I, I was just thinking of something about house, you know, housewife and housework. Can we like housework is fucking hard. Raising children is hard as fuck. Mm-hmm. Children are little monsters. So for you to <laughs> for you to fix your lips and say a woman who's staying at home is not working. I can't. I can't even deal. Mm. I can't even do and mm. like that's another yeah. thing like women do so much emotional free labor for men like if they had to pay for the actual labor that women do they won't be able to afford it really for realsies <laughs> so I just wanted to put that there that and this made me housemaking. real quick I just, just want to put it out but this made me think of um, this video and I'll, and I'll share it with you guys and maybe you can share it to all our listeners as well but it kind of it's for, it was for a competition, I believe it was called Her Story, and it chronicled the life of uh, a woman doing her daily chores, and there were 5,000 of them, like mm. dropping off the kids, making breakfast, um, you know, just doing this and that. And then by the end of the day, they had friends over, and then while they were talking, 
the guy asked the husband, oh, what does your wife do? And he kind of like looked at her and he just said, ah, almost laughingly, ah, she doesn't have, she doesn't have any work. She doesn't do anything. And then she, she kind of like pauses. It was, it's such a beautiful and very thought provoking video. So when you said that, we definitely have to share it with the listeners. It was made in Ethiopia, but it was, it was just kind of blew my mind when he said that. And you can just see the her face. It's like, um, what do you mean she's doing so many things? Mm-hmm. All right, guys. This was a fun, mm-hmm. intense episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to round off our episode. But before we go, this is our Here's What You Didn't Know about Africa or a place in Africa. Sanafik, do you have something to share with us? Yes, yes, I do. Very excited. (laughs) (laughs) My voice just got really loud there. Um, But fun fact about Ethiopia, and not a lot of people know this, is that we have our own calendar. So it's actually 2008 Mm. in Ethiopia. Throwback. (laughs) Take that for a throwback Thursday. Uh, (laughs) But... And I was doing a little bit of research about why that is, and that kind of relates back to us, our calendar, identifying a different time frame um, in regards to the birth of mm. Jesus Christ. So it's associated with the Orthodox Church. And we also have a different time reference as well. So when the sun sets, the clock kind of starts counting in the opposite direction. So the morning wouldn't be 7 a.m. for us. It would be 1 and we don't have AMs and PMs. Mm. And Ethiopia was also the birthplace of coffee. So, so yeah. Of coffee? Yes. Awesome. Ethiopia. Wow. Yes. That's so great. So about the time thing, like, is it widespread? So, like, if I go to Ethiopia now and my clock says it's 7 p.m., Will it really say, like, a different time? Yep, yep, it will. It's actually very confusing. Like, the newscasters will be like, it's 1 p.m., yeah. like, whatever. Yes, yes, it is. It's, it's, wow. actually, it's very confusing. And and for us, <laughs> for us who live here, we it took me a while when I first came to the U.S. to adapt. And then when oh. now when I go back to mm. Ethiopia, I kind of have to de-adapt and go back. And it's hard. So I told my friend, mm. 3 p.m., and then she'd mean, oh, you mean 9? It's like, yes, yes, I mean 9. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. So, like, even the dates too. Like, the dates, official dates in Ethiopia is two thousand and eight. Right now, two thousand and eight. And guess when we celebrate our New Year's? So New when Year's, it's it's on September eleventh. So the worst, the worst date for the Western world is uh, is festivity time for us. So I always felt bad. <laughs> Wow. Especially Mount Holyoke, you know, you'd all, you'd see the flags on on nine eleven, and then you'd, mm-hmm. you'd be like dressed up in our traditional attire, and people would say, "Are you celebrating nine oh, eleven?" No. Like, no, no, it's no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so. Yes and no. <laughs> oh wow! So, like, how do you book your flight ticket? Like, you know how you have to book from I don't know, say April fifteenth to. April 20-something, like, how, would you, is it normal? Well, yeah, I mean, people kind of acknowledge the Gregorian calendar, so it, it's just, we kind of have to use two times of reference. So, like, 
We gotcha. have December, okay. and then we also have Casas. That's like our month of December. So we have to do a little bit of calculation mm-hmm. here and there and be like, okay, are you using Gregorian calendar? Are you using Ethiopian calendar? But it's tricky, but it's, it's nice. I like that we have our own. Our, my colleague was telling me one time, I was telling, he said Merry Christmas, and then I told him, oh, Christmas for us is actually in a couple of weeks. He's like, you guys are so weird, Sanaf. Like, what is this? <laughs> and, uh, like America? And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm actually going to give him an Ethiopian calendar. Um, as a present. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Snafik. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely did not know. So, listeners, now you know that Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee. You know they have a different calendar, and you know that they have a different time zone. Mm-hmm. So that, that literally just blew my mind. Yep. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. This was fun. This was thought provoking. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And please tweet us your thoughts. Tweet us your thoughts about the episode. Tweet us your tweet us your thoughts about feminism and gender roles and all of that. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get this conversation going. We mm-hmm. are not your African cliche. Thank you for listening. Please find us, subscribe, rate review tell your friends your mama your daddy your cousins yeah moria down the streets if she has a smartphone have her subscribe to us we are not your african cliche on itunes we are nyac podcast on soundcloud we are not your african cliche on facebook we are at nyac podcast on twitter tweet us we'd love to hear from you guys so yeah this is nyc signing out bye